This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast for the 11th of June, 2019. And here is my not very great news stock market tip person, Jan. <laughs> it's my fault now? <laughs> yep, I'm blaming what you. What did I do? <laughs> no, I'm blaming you. It's, it's as simple as that. God, all I did was go on YouTube. All I did was put our, our MP3s on YouTube. Is that really that bad? Yeah, it was that bad. It caused, caused the entire tech market to crash. Um, <laughs> what can I say? You've done bad things, Jon. No, uh, so that's more about what's coming later. Um, we're on YouTube. Uh, we mentioned this at the end. Uh, we'll be mentioning this a little bit earlier, just in case anybody misses it. Um, we are trying to get to our 100 subscribers mark. So uh, please go to YouTube, put Roaring Elephant Podcast into the magic of the YouTube search. Hit go on that. You'll see the uh, Roaring Elephant Podcast pop up. Click on that logo. Hit subscribe. Maybe hit the notification bell if you're that interested. Um, and uh, you will see audio versions on YouTube. Uh, if that's an, a way that you like to consume it, that's great. If you still want to carry on listening on the uh, the ordinary podcast apps that you're already using, that's great too. We will continue recording them there. We do plan to move to possibly a video-oriented platform in the future where we will still continue doing both. But maybe you get the, the value add of video on YouTube. Um, but that's for some time in the future once we've sort of proven that we've got uh, a subscriber base that is interested in, in that. So if you're interested in that sort of material, then show us by hitting the subscribe button. How's I just that? clicked. Have you? Oh, excellent. <laughs> Me too. If I if I keep on clicking it, will that gets to 100? No. No, because uh, no, like you go up, down, up, down, up, down. That's, <laughs> it's a toggle, unfortunately. So. Damn it. Never you, mind. Can only see, you can only like it. You can't really, 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 really like us. Oh, but I do so really, 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 really <laughs> like it. Anyway. Let's so, get yeah, in some news. If, if you're interested, <laughs> please please go ahead and do all of the likey, subscribe notification-y stuff. Uh, but yes, on to the news. Now, before we start this particular um, topic, we're, this news topic, I guess, um, we should make a quick disclaimer. We are both um, sort of uh, previous employees of some of the organizations we're going to be talking about. We are not current employees. We have no insider information. We are purely just reacting and discussing the uh, the news that we are seeing in the public eye, the same as, uh, as everybody else outside these organizations is seeing. So we have no insider information. We are just purely discussing and in some cases speculating what this uh, might mean. So... With that disclaimer out of the way, anything else you think we should add? No, I mean, this is enough, I think. Let's just close down the episode and we're done, right? Fantastic. Oh, well, it was great talking to you again, and that's all the time we have today. No, wait, we forgot We forgot the actual episode content, didn't we? Uh, never mind. Right, let's, let's try this again. So... The the thing that we are talking about is uh, maybe obviously maybe not depending on how uh, much of a, a close listen you've been uh, having of the news at the moment, but it's the news that uh, Cloudera plummets forty three percent after CEO abruptly departs and the company cuts the forecast. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Tom uh, CEO Tom Riley. Uh, has announced that he's uh, leaving the company just uh, five months after the merger, which is on the back of a um, 
you know, not great set of, of quarterly results. Um, and also... Cold week. Yeah, well, it, it's been called anything from week to a disastrous quarter to a dreaded trifecta of bad news. Um, you know, weak results, bad guidance for the future, and, and the CEO departing is, um, yeah, not a great... Um, uh, you know, not a great set of results to to see. The other sort of news in that area is that uh, you know Mike Olson, who's the chief strategy officer, uh, one of the co-founders and former CEO, is also um, leaving the company. I mean, something I don't quite understand is why. Um, in every article I've read, the, the, the fact that Mike Olson is also departing seems to be like the final comment on the end of any of, art, any of the articles. Whereas to me, the fact that an organization's chief, CEO, chief strategy officer and CEO departing, I mean, maybe not equal Im- impact, but should have like it's far... Value, right? yeah. Well, yeah, should be should be very, very closely related. I mean, so, one person leaving, it, it can happen. Yeah. People move on, things yeah. happen, personal life change, whatever. But these are two pretty much key people within the, the, the combined organization there. And, I mean, they're the people that have to not only predict the future, lay the, the plans for the future, but also deliver on that future. Yeah. I think the merger of Hortnos and Cladera were a big part of their future vision. Mm-hmm. And now they are leaving combined with the, the, the lukewarm quarter and everything. I mean, if it's hard to believe that one would do this step, take this step at this particular time, if there was still a lot of optimism going on. I mean, so we've we've seen this in in the in the past from from Hortonworks when you know there w- there was a a miss. I think it was one of the only significant misses in the, in the history of Hortonworks, and the CEO at that time did step down. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it's not it, it's not unusual. But for me, what what sort of uh, what I find is that was sort of one blip in an otherwise generally very good trend whereas what we have here seems to be like they're already on the downturn you know it, it news hasn't been great for a little while since the merger mm-hmm. um you know we we sort of um you know we discussed the the data work summit uh, a little bit um back a few episodes ago and now, sort of, it feels like a time where really you want everyone to rally together and everyone join together and kind of double down on things and sort of, you know, rally the troops and really do, you know, put some focus into delivering on the promises that an organization has kind of laid forward. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, what I don't really understand, and, you know, I guess we'll probably never know, is, uh, is you know, how much of this is... Um, really, you know, Tom falling on the sword effectively. So, you know, saying this is my fault, I take the blame. Hmm. But I don't know that. That just to me seems that that seems like a very. Uh, and he's not helping the company by doing this. No, no. Because in, mean, a, in a time of merger, everything is going to be chaotic. That's just yeah. how mergers happen. So you have to keep what what you can keep stable. You have to keep as stable as possible. So stepping yeah. up and and basically giving up. Uh, that does not help. I mean, it was their vision to do this merger. They had a plan. Okay, yeah. it's going to be a, t- a rough start. Nobody yeah. 
will begrudge you that. Sure, your stock's going to dip a bit if you have a bad quarter, but just show consistency, show perseverance, show you really see the future you want to go for it and continue at least until the whole merger thing has kind of uh, stabilized. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to fall on your sword, do it at that point. Uh, just say, okay, I've I've done my thing, pulling it all through the merger thing. I've made some mistakes. I'm now making space for somebody new who can blah, 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 blah. That would mm. make sense. That that yeah. would something that would actually, I think, strengthen their, their stock value, the trust. But this just, oh, we had a bad quarter. Merger sucks. I'm, I'm gone. Um, I don't see this as falling on a sword, but if I dare say a bit more opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I was I was going to be somewhat harsher and actually use the word cowardly. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that that's probably too harsh. But yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think it's, there's a lot of emotion involved here. I mean, if you're, if no, you're working at this level, uh, it's it's a money game in the end. Uh, that's basically what well, it is—an reputation game, perhaps. You um, say that, yeah. but I mean, uh, he he he's one of the the people that's been involved from. You know, practically the very beginning. So, sure, yeah, they're, um, they're two founders. You could almost say, right? I mean, yeah. So, really I mean, I, yeah. So, I, I don't, I don't think you can say this is just this uh, be pride involved. Yeah, yeah, and it's not just pride. This is something that they've been involved in for the best part of, uh, you know, a, I don't know, a quarter, a fifth of twenty percent of their life. Um, so, yeah, I, I think perhaps, perhaps the way it's been portrayed is more clean and clinical i, I don't let's say we have no insider information we don't actually know Fights anything on this room. yeah i mean <laughs> may, maybe maybe there is something more specific here and we've got a a few links to a few articles in the show notes that have different views um yeah. and if it's if it's okay with you i'd like to kind of pivot off to one of the um, slightly more entertaining uh, articles which is one from uh, thinknum uh, now the article itself actually isn't all that great um although the one of the points that it's sort of making is is kind of interesting but really the best thing about this entire article is the is the graphics and this is where i do wish we had youtube video working because <laughs> we could just show you so they've got the thanos gauntlet the clicking and cloud era sort of fading away um so yeah so whole uh, whole avengers uh, guardians of the galaxy thing going on there Actually, but they, the thing I would like to mention about this uh, little graphic is that compared to the other ones, this one is indicating the Cladera company is going away and not Hadoop is going away. That's this is true. something we're going to get back to in a second, but it's it something is, I want to is. mention here when I see this, because this is one of the few ones that actually talk about the company and not the technology. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that they do point out is, you know, they're, and sure, it's partially to do with the, their, their product that they sell is a LinkedIn scraper for what of a better phrase i'm sure they would put it much more intelligently but you know they're graphing things like uh, the joint combined uh joint and combined wow wonderful use of redundancy there um uh, employee headcount between cloud air and hortonworks and how that has essentially kind of uh you know declined ever so slightly but basically leveled off um from 2019 which would make perfect sense like two large organizations um merged there would be a uh, sort of a continual hiring of certain roles and certain roles would have been uh, for want of a better phrase redundant so you know overlap meaning that uh, certain people would leave and we knew that uh, a portion of the organization did leave so that to me is not terribly surprising you wouldn't 
continue a massive hiring when you're still trying to understand what your new organization is doing. So that, to me, is not particularly... Um, yeah, I would have loved if that different. graph actually showed uh, the the two the, the Cloudera hiring rate, the Hortonworks hiring mm. rate, and the sum of the both to see if there's any cross going on there or something. That would have been interesting to see. Well, I mean, I think you could create a little Power BI dashboard because if you see the link at the bottom, there's an open data set there. Ooh. Anyway, like work. I'm consuming. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is uh, is open job listings, and that that sort of talks. Uh, a, a more healthy sort of story, um, which is alongside the lines of what I was uh, thinking about, which is that the you know, number of uh, job listings is sort of on the rise, which is what you'd expect. The, the combined organizations would work out what it is that they need to do and then would start to, you know, once they'd done the redundancies for certain areas that they didn't need to, to grow following the merger, they would then look at the areas they did need to grow. So I think that to me sort of makes a lot of sense but then the the final sort of graph here is the one that uh, echoes back to a an episode um a couple of weeks ago where we discussed the sort of the recent news around mapr and uh yeah that's that sees the uh, mapr job postings uh, open um just sort of flatline which is kind of what you'd expect from an organization that has uh, sent letters to um government agencies and entities saying that they are expecting that they will have to have to close up shop so that's sort of uh yeah not surprising disappointing maybe but mm-hmm. that's that's sort of the way that that goes but as you said earlier this one is talking about um you know, Cloudera as an organization. But, you know, we, we've talked about this very briefly uh, before, and I think there's actually, there is a, a a larger story here, which is not necessarily about Cloudera or Hortonworks or BAPAR, but um, is this the sort of, uh, is this a, a change and a shift in the overall ecosystem? I mean, so ecosystem, you mean open source ecosystem or the big data well, ecosystem? Well, I think that I think the big data ecosystem. So, I it's think sort the of important thing to, to to define here is when you say Hadoop, what do you mean with Hadoop? Because in exactly. essence, Hadoop is a Java library. It's HDFS plus uh, Hadoop library. It's it's MapReduce and HDFS. That that's yeah. the, the most concise <laughs> definition of Hadoop. Yeah. Now, typically, in these kind of articles, that's not what people mean. When they say Correct. Hadoop, they mean big data, including machine learning, deep learning, uh, NoSQL, YesSQL, whatever, the whole <laughs> streaming events, whatever, all together, yep. that's been labeled Hadoop. And, well, I mean, a lot of the marketing guys from these companies we've just been mentioning have worked very hard to make that. So to make people see those two as one, so it's not surprising people actually do. Ooh, I would I would kind of disc- I would say that was very true maybe sort of three, four yeah, exactly. years ago. And it worked. It worked very well because everybody sees it as one now. Yeah. But it, it kind <laughs> of it not... worked too well because they then did a you know exactly. sort of three years ago maybe that everybody started doing a course correction and started <laughs> distancing themselves from Hadoop and talking about you know, more well, about big data more generally, but also about yeah. analytics and machine learning more specifically and, and deliberately not mentioning Hadoop. It wasn't really distancing them from that, but making sure that people understood there were more than just that. That's also true, and yeah. That's, again, the whole evolution of the whole Hadoop and big data ecosystem. At the beginning, if you take take 10 years back, 
yeah, big data was, uh, pardon the pun, very small. It was a very select set of use cases that needed a very select set of tools because basically um, infrastructure wasn't available, CPUs weren't fast enough, the disk space was too expensive to do much more than what they did at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Now with the whole industry moving on, evolving, innovating, whatever, that space got a lot bigger and of course the whole big data ecosystem got a lot bigger. But by that time, they had kind of painted themselves into the Hadoop corner and had to make real efforts. I mean, think about the Hadoop Summit changing its name to DataWorks Summit. That was one of the ones I still find funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Why do you do that? To make the, phys- the, the, the the public eye see you a little bit differently. Yes, we are yeah. doing Hadoop, but we do much more than that. And yeah, we people in the know, the people that are in the industry, we know that that's the case. But when you're trying to convince a new company to do stuff with big data, yeah, you need to make sure that perception is correct. Indeed, indeed. And so one of the articles that I think uh, we, we both thought was quite interesting was there's an article from The Next Platform that actually talks about have the public clouds kill Hadoop? Um, and it, this is sort of really the assertion that um, you know, it, it's very clear and it's very well known that with MapR kind of winding up shop um, and with uh, Cloudera and Hortonworks um, you know, combining that was really so they could begin to uh, have a unified front against the major cloud providers like AWS, uh, Microsoft Azure, and Google Cloud Platform. Now, while they are obviously strung, uh, struggling to compete against them, they're also you know essentially their number one partner. So it's a real sort of yeah. frenemies coopetition, call it what you like, sort of uh, relationship because everybody is moving to cloud pretty much regardless in some way, shape, or form. Um, and yet, it, it's it's also about making sure that the platform, in some cases, people are interested in a platform that is you know, not uh, specifically cloud-native in some cases. They're looking for something that doesn't give them the, the lock-in, but they still want the agility of the of the underlying cloud provider. And that's the sort of the angle that you know, Hortonworks and now Cloudera was sort of very much focusing on. Um, but what we've really seen, I think, is the not just the cloud providers that I've mentioned, but I think we've seen a number of organizations um, spring up over the years. Some of them have been around for quite some time. And focusing on a key part of that big data slash Hadoop ecosystem and making sure that that um, subset or component can really deliver is is easy to deploy can deliver value on its own effectively and you know i would use examples like confluent here um you know the people behind behind kafka um and uh, you know things like uh, you know databricks and the way that they've gone all in on on sort of uh, on spark um and you know there are a number of others in this space and i think it to me it feels like more of a combination of these um I don't want to say niche providers, but these more um, more specific, more focused providers, service providers, and the sort of the the work that, that the cloud providers themselves are doing to provide their own native tooling. I think it's a combination of these things that's put um, the traditional sort of quote unquote big data vendors in in this sort of space. What do you think? Yeah. Agree? Disagree? I think it's kind of inevitable because. Uh one of the reasons that big data and, and, and the whole eco thing around it has gotten so big is mainly because of cloud. 
because the only way we're able to gather those big amounts of data is by having SaaS services out there gathering the data around uh, around the world, putting it all in one spot in a flexible way that made it possible to do this stuff. Now, when the big data started, everyone was on premise because again, big cloud, uh, big cloud. Yeah, it's a good. I coined the term big cloud. Why not? <laughs> wasn't really around yet so you had to pull it out all to your to your own um, uh, environment and and do the computation there but that was actually pretty slow because network is still one of the slowest things in your infrastructure Mm -hmm. it was a slow thing to do when public cloud became uh, viable let's say it became the de facto place to do a lot of the big data stuff. There's obvious exclusions, mm. things like finance, uh, telecom sectors and stuff. But mm. for everything that wasn't one of the original, really big data native kind of uh, companies for any kind of retail manufacturing that try to do their marketing, there's uh, 360 degree customer view, stuff like that. A lot of that stuff was only a- available to them by going to cloud. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think you, I was, I was a little bit suspect of where you were heading, but I think you, you, uh, you, you tell was good. good. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the end, the end result worked out. So yeah, yeah no. I think, uh, I, I think that, if we look at the organizations that have been very successful with big data on the outset, it's organizations that are totally data driven um, from the outset. Uh, so, you know, the, the Netflixes, the Facebooks, the, um, you know, all of those kind of organizations, you know, Uber, you know, call it what you like. Any of those are clearly. Uh, organizations that have made "quote unquote" big data really work for them, and yeah, it's a core part of what is they do. Their product, it is what they do. Because Uber, yes, it's a taxi service. No, it's not. It's a big data environment. It's a it's a data gathering tool mostly. Sure. It's all about that thing. It's their core business. It is. It is their core business. So that 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 was the sort of that was the one area that I think is is definitely the case. I would also make the argument that a lot of organizations. Um, that have heavily invested in big data and are of a, a level of size and scale that they've been able to pour the right amount of money and talent into it have also been very successful. You know, a, a number of of telcos, of large financial services organisations, um, you know, organisations of that kind of scale, and even you know, huge retailers. Um, I think have all. Um, done very well, you know. They have optimized their business. They have become far more data driven, and I think those organisations have sort of realised the benefit. But I think where, for me, big data has fallen short is um, it, it hasn't. It seems it seems a bit odd to say this, but it feels like now that I'm a little bit removed from the big data space and I'm outside of the the bubble or the sphere of influence uh, and kind of looking at it from the outside a little bit more objectively, it, it almost feels like maybe it never quite crossed the chasm, which... Well, uh, it, it was never intended to cross the chasm. And I think that, again, that's an inevitable result from the growth of the whole environment by, by adding real-time events and every, machine learning. The, it's all gotten in there. If it's not a core thing of your business, you don't need everything. You only need a couple of things from it. And the thing that crossed the chasm, in my opinion, is 
parts of it which yeah. are relevant for you. Yes. And this is, I mean, a couple of years ago in one of our prediction shows, I talked about the fragmentation of the big data you environment. Did. And this is what I meant with that. Yep. When I'm a retailer, I want to do some machine learning, IoT, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Do I have a lot of data? Do I have trillions of petabytes of data? Probably not. But I have little aspects of it and I will pick and choose what I need. Now, yep. if you then force me to install the entire thing just because I want the glove box. I don't want a car. I just want the glove box. Give me a closet then, not a car. The thing, it crossed the chasm, I think. But by the time it crossed that chasm, the flexibility that was one of the big advantages of open source, to be honest, having yeah. all of these little, uh, little, well, little <laughs> air quotes, projects that really <laughs> integrate nicely also meant you could deintegrate them very nicely and use them separate yeah. from each other or integrate with different things. Yes. And that allowed these non big data core native, this is my core business kind of organizations to use whatever they needed, pick and choose and go to those niche vendors, those niche things, the specialization partners out there to use what they need. And that's why Databricks is a more compelling solution probably if you're cloud native anyway, you want to do some machine learning, but you have nothing with SQL or structured data. Well, I'm going to go database because I don't need Hive. I don't need Impala. I don't need Hadoop, the, the big name, not the small name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will just go with the point and uh, the click and click and choose and pay as you go stuff. And again, because of this migration of the monolithical appliance to the more microservices, let's say, accompanied by capacity given by public cloud, it's, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not surprised that this is where we end up here, but this is not a uh, end of big data. No, it's just a normal evolution of how something started, has evolved to serve mankind better, to, to make it a bit <laughs> bombastic perhaps. <laughs> but it's just the way it went. It hasn't gone away, it just matured, evolved. Yeah. Sadly, yeah. companies like Ladera and Hortonworks they were, as you said, in a very annoying situation, and Mapar as well, where they kind of had to, yeah, depend on their enemies to make their to make their business. The, they all wanted to go to the Amazons, Google, uh, Microsoft clouds out there, IBM clouds, uh, whatever clouds are out there, because that's where the people were try- wanting to consume the the technology. And to be honest, some technology doesn't really work that well in a cloud environment, but let's not even go there. There's a lot of alternatives that do work well there, but then for a vendor, for a customer, for for a consumer of the big data environment, it's a choice between going with cloud native things from the cloud vendor itself, which will probably not be as specific they will be more generic because SaaS services usually are mm. you have less of a ability to fine-tune it for your own personal preferences because well it's a SaaS service it's a shared environment but it's a choice between having the convenience and the special specialization possibility there and then again what you alluded to earlier already the big companies that were able to put money in this big data thing because it was a core business were able to build this stuff themselves and do it very successfully. People that use a bit of big data for a certain thing they want to do, they typically don't have the expertise or the people to really fine-tune this stuff. So for them, okay, I'm going to go with a public cloud vendor or go for a big data uh, pure play vendor. Uh, well, the pure play vendor is going to be more annoying for me to work with. Yes, I will not get the same benefit. It will not be as ideal, ideally configured as it could be, but I'll go for the convenience. Mm. 
Yeah, I I think it's it's going to be very very interesting to see how this evolves. I know that uh, just before we recorded, you mentioned that uh, you've been invited to a, a webinar to see the first uh, public uh, exposure of CDP, their new platform, uh, mm-hmm. the new combined uh, Cloudera data platform. And, you know, maybe maybe this is a, a sort of a bump in the road that was that was yeah, expected maybe maybe even inevitable and maybe this this relaunch of their new cdp platform and presumably um cdf as well their data flow environment uh, also um and maybe these things will um, revitalize the whole picture with a combined you know story maybe that's true maybe that's possible yeah. Hey, sometimes you have to burn the forest to get fertile ground to to sow new uh, new crops. The only thing you have to be careful for is that you don't poison the atmosphere, and that's why the articles and some of the articles you, you we put in the in the show notes here actually talk about the death of Hadoop for the so many at time. That's poisoning the environment, and um, uh, I think Cloudera will have to do a lot of work to make sure that people differentiate the yeah. old monolithical monolithical Hadoop and the the, the the new CDP that they're trying to build, which is totally cloud native and should work in the environment that I was talking about earlier there. And if they are, I think this is going to be a very big marketing battle for them. If they can make yes. it work, if they can make get that messaging out, yep. there is no reason they can't recover from this, yep. if recover is the right word. But they will have to be very careful in how they word this. And I'm a bit worried here because I have not always been very... Uh, how do I say this? Impressed with how the some wording from Cloudera has happened in the past. So it's something I'm going to take a take a close look at to see how that evolves. But yeah, um, now, mean, of uh, course, technology-wise, it's a different question, right? Yeah, it is. It is. But I I think it's uh, to kind of change the subject ever so well. Change the subject fairly fairly radically. Um, it, it could be worse. Uh, in that we had uh, some news um, just earlier on in the month that was talking about uh, Pivotal, and I don't know if you you saw this, um, but uh, they 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 had a forty five percent stock plunge due to terrible execution and you know everything else. Although the CEO didn't resign, I don't think. But um, the uh, the the quote from from their CEO was. Uh, uh, we'll find it here we go um so he highlighted a complex technology landscape uh, that was being a problem now uh, i don't know about you but i don't think that i've ever worked in not a complex technology landscape so if the fact that there is a complex technology landscape that is uh, confusing you and and making it difficult for you to sell um yeah Perhaps you're not in the right job. I mean, yeah, I think it's reading between the lines. Because I think we're also historically on a very important, maybe not the word, but remarkable moment in time where open source has become a very big part of commercial industry. Mm -hmm. And this pretty much, I mean, yes, you have Red Hat has been done for a while, but that was an isolated incident. And a lot of people said it's never going to be duplicated anyway. Fortunately, that hasn't been the case. But it, I think this is the first time in history where open source became 
well, actually, I'm going to turn around where commercial industry became dependent on open source things. And with everything you do, first time you do it, it's not going to be perfect. There will be some growing pains and things will have to change. Yep. And it kind of does feel like if you look at Red Hat being bought by IBM, Pivotal having problems, MapR having problems, Hortmers getting bought up or merged with, Hadoop, with Cloudera, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, now they having problems. It does kind of feel like some of those not early, 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 but still pretty early in the whole uh, the meaning of things, companies based on open source, getting a maybe rude awakening when they have to face up to the normal commercial world realities and things still aren't uh, dropping into place where they should be dropping into place and there's some growing pains going on here? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. I... It, it, a lot of people, you talked about, sorry, I'm just going to interrupt you there. Yeah. You talked about the, the complex world, and yes, we've always been in a complex world. Well, you and me, we've pretty much always been in the open source world. For yeah. us, it's, it's, we, we, we don't know anything different. If we see different, yeah. it's like boring. <laughs> but yeah. uh, for a real career CEO that came from, I don't know, SAP, Oracle, Shell, name any big company out of General Motors, I don't care. If you suddenly need to start working with things like open source, yeah, I can imagine it's a fish out of water story there. It would be a great Hollywood movie. <laughs> yeah, but I I also think that this is, I mean, I've been involved in open source solutions and technologies for over two decades. It, it's, yes, okay, it's had, a, it's had a massive evolution over that time, absolutely. Um, but as, as you were kind of alluding to, it, it's been... Open source has been like the driving engine of so many technologies, um, you know, in in recent, even in the last, you know, ten years, let alone the last five years. And if if it's something that um, that people are struggling with at this point, then again, uh, my my comment still stands. Like maybe you're in the wrong job because if you can't adapt to rapidly changing circumstances, and I don't even think these circumstances are changing that rapidly. I think open source has been a significantly powerful movement in in sort of enterprise for quite some time. Then, uh, yeah, I, I mean, if, if you're looking at uh, the high tech industry, then yes, definitely. But if you're looking at normal industries like uh, manufacturing, retail, and stuff. They're still discovering things like open source. It's still new to them. They well, the yes and yes and no, because you can say that they're still discovering it and that sort of thing, and yet you can bet that every single website they have runs almost certainly runs on a Linux-based platform. Every yes, single do bit and byte they send traverses over a um, you know Linux-based. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's outsourced. Networking that's not, and that's that's that they so, do. Yeah. That's what other people do for them. Yeah. Open source has never been core to their business. I mean, if you're a retailer, what's core to your business? What's the paneling in my shops? What's the display like? I don't care if it's a MySQL, an MSQL, or an Oracle database. Mm-hmm. But that's changing now because data has become so pervasive. And again, data isn't dead. Hadoop is never, it's not, never going to, it won't ever die. It's going to be a zombie before it dies because data has become so important now. You can't live without it. Yeah. Whatever name you give it. But, and now these manufacturing guys, they need to have all kinds of sensors, a car, car industry, for instance. They're still 
struggling with having connected cars. Yeah. Not talking about driverless, uh, driverless driving. No, not driverless driving, but uh, self-driving cars. That's what I'm looking I for. Know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not talking about that, but just having connected cars where you go to the the, the body shop, the the, auto, the, the the garage, and they just plug in a USB stick or whatever. They shouldn't even have to plug anything in. It should just be on the wire, and they should get an email. Hey, we see your left brake pad is uh, worn down. Come in yeah. in the next week or something. That's been possible technically possible for at least 50 years practically yep. possible i think for at least 10 years it's still not there yeah yeah why because we fix cars we don't do iot and it's only now that it's started to become oh crap if we need if we want to differentiate ourselves from tesla for instance oh god we have to get into this technology world and for them i still think and i may be wrong but i still think it's very new to them and it's very confusing. And on that very new and very confusing note, I think we have probably rambled on enough for our news episode today. Anything else from you? <laughs> uh, I just want to emphasize Hadoop is not dead. It's never going to die. Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else from you? No, nothing else from me. Then, as our show notes dictate, uh, it's my turn to say that this is all the time we have for today. Uh, we have a Patreon page out there. We need our patrons. Without you, this podcast will not be possible. So please go and take a look and consider becoming a patron. Also, go to www.roaringalpha.org, find a link to the Patreon page in question, and more information about this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter by using the at Hadoopcast tag, and you can send your feedback to podcast at roaringalpha.org. Any feedback is appreciated. Until next time, my name is John. And my name is Dave. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then.